hey guys, welcome uh, to the Built Lean Podcast. I'm Mark Perry, the creator of Built Lean, which helps busy men with demanding careers get lean, strong, and functionally fit with exceptional vitality. And, uh, and today I have a very special guest with me, Tim Anderson. And Tim is the founder of Original Strength, which teaches health, fitness, and education professionals a system to restore, build, and enhance the movement of their patients, clients, and athletes. And as a movement restoration specialist, Tim has written and co-written several books, including Becoming Bulletproof, Habitual Strength, Pressing Reset, and Original Strength. And uh, I came across Tim years ago and even wrote an Original Strength book review on BuiltLean.com website uh, you know, many years ago. And Tim is lean, he's strong, he's fit, he's flexible, and he's achieved the level of fitness I personally aspire to. And he's able to move his body like so effortlessly and fluidly literally like a child. You've got to see it to believe it. And uh, Tim is a phenomenal teacher. Uh, in fact, he's a teacher to the teachers. And so with that said, uh, Tim, thank you so much for, for joining the Built Lean Podcast today. Mark, thank you so much for having me. Um, this, is, this is awesome. Thank you. Cool. So, so I guess to, to start out, um, if you could kind of tell me a little bit more about like the, the genesis of Original Strength, like how did it all come about? Well, it was a complete accident. Um, I was uh, dealing with overuse injuries from being overzealous with everything I've ever done, um, all types mm -hmm. of training. Mostly what set me off, though, was I back in 2006, I really dove hard into kettlebell training. Um, and, you know, the, my rule was, well, just show up anyway and just push through, push through, push through. Turns out that's not the best role to have. Uh, so I got overuse injuries. I got frustrated with them. So I looked in corrective exercises. So I started learning about how to fix myself. And the more I learned, the more frustrated I got then because it felt like I was chasing my tail. Like if mm. I thought I was fixing something, something else would pop up. Right. And I just got into this cycle. And then one night I was having a, a self-pity party because um, I... My whole life, even as an adult, I've I just I've always loved Superman. Um, wanted to be Superman, and I was sitting around one night just thinking that this sucks. I don't feel like Superman. Mm. Um, so I I just honestly I asked God to show me how to train to be bulletproof. And within two weeks, uh, I picked up a book on learning disorders in children, and it. God just connected the dots and I just saw how wonderful the human design is and how it's the body's made to heal and it's made to be strong always. Um, so that's, that's really how all this started. So this is really fascinating and let's dive in a little bit. So what do you mean by like, you know, the body is designed to be strong to, you know, designed to heal that sort of thing. So, you know, when, uh, do you have children? I don't. But many okay, of the so, built, many of the listeners do. But you've seen a child. Um, of course, I have seen a child. I have nieces and nephews. <laughs> so when a when a when a baby is born, when you were born, when I was born, we were all born with an original movement program, an, uh, an original operating system, and in that program um, is the developmental sequence, and we're designed to go through a series of movements that build our nervous system and tie our body together. And the purpose of that is, is to get us strong and resilient so that we can go and explore the world uh, and live and, and enjoy life. So no matter how old we are, we have that program in us. My point to that, though, is, is we have a program that's designed to make us strong. 
Um, what we don't have is a program that's designed to make us weak and break us down. And we never lose the program that's designed to make us strong. And there is no program to make us weak except for, for this right here. Um, we can program ourselves with our thoughts and everything, but we do not have, there's nothing in our nervous system that is, that has a date of expiration on it that says, all right, let's start tearing things down here. That doesn't exist. So at any time in your life, you can tap back into your original operating system and your body just starts laying down that solid foundation of strength again. It's kind of how it works. So how do you do that? You move like you did when you were a child. Um, you, you know, so when a child, the developmental sequence, we in, in original strength, we teach five movements, uh, breathing uh, with the diaphragm properly. I mean, everybody breathes with their diaphragm, but to use it fully to its functionally, um, uh, then we do uh, learning head control, how to master the movements of your, your eyes and your head because you need to activate your vestibular system. And then rolling around on the floor, uh, just like children do, rocking back and forth on your hands and knees, just like children do, and then crawling. And crawling, you could also extend that out to walking, marching, skipping, running, but it's the gait pattern though. Um, and if we do those five things, we're, we're effectively pressing reset on our bodies and telling our, strengthening our nervous system, telling our nervous system we are safe, making, giving it great information where it feels safe to allow us to move. And so I'm, I'm kind of thinking from this from different perspectives. On, on one hand, someone might be listening and be like, well, dude, I just want to work out and, you know, get some abs or just, you know, get strong, get fit. Like, how does this fit in or what would you say to someone who, who thinks that? So if you love working out um, and, you know, lifting weights or whatever your workout is, uh, the better foundation you have for movement, the better you'll be able to work out and enjoy the things you love to do. So if you have a solid movement foundation and, and you get that when you, when you move how you were designed to move by, by engaging in those, those five things that I, I was telling you about. Now, yes, they are the developmental sequence, but yes, you're actually supposed to engage in them in your entire life. You're always supposed to breathe properly. You're always supposed to activate right. your vestibular system. Right. You're always supposed to engage in your gait pattern. That should never stop. And that is what gives us a solid foundation for movement. And when we have that foundation, that means we can move any way we want to effortlessly with full strength, full expression of mobility, flexibility, stability, because they all dance together. It's just all expression. So however you want to express yourself, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's bodybuilding, whatever it is, you can express yourself better and optimally if you have your solid foundation of movement. That's great. And so I, I'm kind of curious to ask, like, what does your own exercise routine look like? Now, today, <laughs> I have, I am, I have come to a point in my life where I don't really like, I don't exercise anymore. I just, I move a lot. Okay. Um, most days I wrote a book called discovering you, where I go through this morning program of 20, uh, 21 repetitions of certain movements. I do that every day. I, I just call it the 21s. Um, and on, you know, I do a lot of body weight stuff. Uh, if I, if I were going to look at exercises that I really love to do, Hindu squats, Hindu push-ups, um, I hang from a bar a lot, uh, throughout the day. Um, I do right now I practice handstands, <laughs> but I just, I just explore and play. Um, I don't really, I haven't, I haven't lifted weights in a very, very long time. Wow. Um, okay. So I, 
in this season of my life. Okay. That's that's what I'm exploring right now. Okay. And I was uh, and and this is a big question and it's you kind of talked a little bit about this in your answer like I mean, how has your routine evolved? Let's just even call it in the last kind of 5 years. How's oh. how's your routine evolved? And <laughs> yeah, we're always evolving. Even... I know my routine is dramatically evolved evolved. I just want to hear about you. Uh, in the last 5 years, well, so ever since OS, um so I would say it's really the last 10 years because even five okay. years ago, I was when I trained inside of OS, like say crawling, right. I would make crawling as miserable as I possibly could. <laughs> right. Well, you you um, ha- you did do a mile on YouTube, which is yeah. which is amazing. People can check that out. And that's something that I watched uh, back in the day. But anyways, continue. <laughs> but so five years ago, I might would crawl across the football field. <laughs> right three or four times dragging a hundred pounds of chains or something like that. Uh, you know, and I, I would do those kind of things. Whereas now my motto is it feels good to feel good and make the hard things easy. So the thing about making hard things easy though, is once you realize you have the ability to shut the mind down and just enjoy the suffering where it's not suffering anymore, you no longer really have to physically try to make hard things easy because really it's it's the mind that you, you want to get control of. So I don't really train hard anymore, but if I want to, like every now and then I'll be like, I wonder if I can still do, you know, battling ropes for 10 minutes. And I might not have touched it in two years, but then I can I can just do 10 minutes consecutive of, you know, making waves on a rope with with nasal breathing because though, not because I'm special, but just because I've learned how to not, I already know I can make hard things easy. So it's it's like this just mindset when you go into it that you've done this before. You've done it a hundred times. Right. Even though you haven't done it in years, it's still there, um, which is kind of neat. But a lot of that, though, plays into reflexive strength, you know, being able to manage your, manage your diaphragm, breathing properly, mm-hmm. functionally, under stress, um, you know, having a very good, efficient move, movement foundation. So the more efficient you can move, the easier things are. So even though you're doing harder things, they're not necessarily that hard because you have uh, all your gaps are filled in. So I was going to ask you, like, how do you make hard things easy and quiet your mind? How do you make that shift? So my favorite way now in today's world, this season, I I love uh, crawling in super, super slow motion for time. Like, say, my my phrase is make sloths jealous. But, But I might go for like, I like, I'm a fan of 10 minute blocks of challenges like that. And I'll just crawl, like, can I collect dust for 10 minutes um, while I'm controlling, trying to control every fine movement in my body. And so you kind of, your mind's got to, you have something to focus on and it just kind of drowns out the rest of the noise. So it, it, it becomes easy. By the way, that's so fascinating. And just for people listening, crawling is an amazing pattern. It's something I actually, I learned from Tim and just, and I've built into my own, uh, training and, and warm up. but it's tremendously challenging and to do it slow. As he's saying, it's just a different level. Um, and I'm going to include some videos on the article. So I'm going to kind of include this kind of, you know, uh, interview we're doing on the, uh, on the article, just so you can see how unbelievable it's, it's really, it's amazing to see you do it, to be frank. Um, to see how controlled and fluid it is. So I, I appreciate that. And, and by the way, just as a personal note, like 
from crawling forwards and backwards. And you, you were the one who kind of, I started learning about backward crawling and I realized how unbelievably hard it is. And I've actually, I had this one triathlete who I trained a while ago and he was smoked just crawling backwards and forwards with just some jumping jacks. But anyways, yeah. just, you know, just going backwards and forwards crawling, I could do a one arm one leg push up like without too much trouble. Yes. It's like, it's like, all right, not that big of a deal. Whereas before it just seemed like a, a, a silly, ridiculous, so I'm like, it's like, how could you possibly do that? Right. Um, so that, that's the great <laughs> thing about crawling is it right. ties your body together so well. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even, I could not do a one arm, one leg push up until I started crawling. Right. And then I just discovered I could do it by accident. And it was a great discovery. And then I learned that, well, heck, everything else I want to do in the weight room is so much easier now too. Um, so it's, it really takes the brakes off of your strength and allows you to fully express yourself. That's really cool. And, and that's in line with the core X concept, which, which I learned from you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause your body's an X. And when we do that crawling pattern and, and, and when we crawl a certain way, uh, like maintaining the optimal posture, like a child does, it just really ties the, ties the X together, connects the shoulders mm-hmm. to the hips, solid center so that you can really create force and transfer force very efficiently through your body. Okay, cool. And so in, in the original strength book, you mentioned how you do not advocate the use of, uh, you know, foam rollers or stretching. Why not? Well, I'm, I'm, I am pro you can do it if you like, if it brings you joy, if it brings you joy, like, but if you're doing it to try to fix a problem, it might not be the best route to go. Okay. Like if you have a trigger point, instead of addressing the trigger point, it might be better to address the reason you have a trigger point. And the reason you might have a trigger point is because your nervous system's not getting optimal information and it's compensating somehow and it's showing up as a trigger point. Whereas, so a foam roller, while it could feel good and could give you relief and help you perform a little bit, maybe, it could be a temporary solution if you haven't addressed what your nervous system's really looking for. Now, if you mm-hmm. love foam rolling and and it's something that brings you joy, great, do it. Our original, when we when we first wrote the book, it was though, if you're foam rolling every day and you've been foam rolling every day for a year and it still hasn't fixed the issue that you're foam rolling, it's probably not working for you the way you want it to. And now it's become a ritual and and you're not really getting what you want out of it. Okay. And... So a question I have also is, you know, does strength training with weights interfere with your body's ability to be mobile and and to restore your original function? Not if you have a solid foundation now. So if if your body's tied together, well, no, strength training with weights is just it becomes an activity you can enjoy and express yourself wonderfully with. But if you don't have a solid foundation, it can set you up for other issues um, for injuries and things like that. So it, it could be a detriment to you. The easiest way I can explain that is, um, so power lifters are very, very, very good at three lifts, super strong at the squat, the bench press and the deadlift. And so you could have a power lifter. Let's just say he pulls 700, 800 pounds from the ground. That's amazing strength. But if he can't walk up and down his steps, without doing the handrail, putting his hands on his knees because he hurts or he can't move well and efficiently, is his strength really applicable or helpful in the real world? Or is it only good for the deadlift and the squat? And that's temporary. 
But living your life well into your 90s, being able to walk up and down your own stairs with ease, that should be the, the, you know, the, the big goal. So powerlifting is not bad for you on top of a solid foundation. But if you don't have that solid foundation and you just grew those three patterns, then so you're your weight training, then you could be setting yourself up for non-optimal movement, which could end up taking away more and more and more of your mobility, your flexibility, and your range of motion. Okay. Well, I, I think that it's all it's all great stuff, Tim. And and I was just you know I'm thinking about um, kind of like a hypothetical case study. Let's just take a guy. He's 40 years old. He's pretty stiff, right? He, he he's sedentary, work on a computer most of the day. Shoulders are stiff, hips are stiff, and um, and he's just feeling overall. He just has tightness. So where where does he start? What does he do? Well, without seeing him. My first right. guess would be the great place to start would be is is breathing. Okay. Chances are, if he's sitting at a desk all day, um, he he's likely breathing up, especially with the tightness issues that you were talking about. He's likely breathing with his accessory breathing muscles. He's likely breathing through his mouth, not his nose. He's likely right. not resting his tongue on the roof of his mouth. So just those simple things um, could be what really restores his shoulder mobility, uh, takes the tight tension out of his hamstrings takes the pain out of his low back just by changing how he breathes and how he holds his tongue. Um, and it could be that simple, like, you know, cause it's, it's all about restoration and it's just engaging in that original program. It's like a reset button. And then all of a sudden all the other programs on top of the original program just start working the way they're supposed to. That's fascinating. So why, I'm almost like thinking like, I mean, how does someone implement that? Like, how do you s implement these different types of, you know, breathing exercises? Like, where, where do you start? So that's tricky. Um, the, good <laughs> news is, the good news is everybody's done it right. before when you were a child. So your nervous system remembers how to do it. You just, but now because of neuroplasticity and we're trying to, to dust off old connections and remake other new connections efficient, we just have to show up. So it might be that we bring the awareness of the breath to the person first and say, and show them how it works, right? Because here's the cool thing. Change happens in the body at the speed of the nervous system. So just learning how to breathe, you know, with 10 good breaths is going to totally change how his body moves. I've seen just it. Like <laughs> at the snap, at the snap right. of a finger because it's, it's that fast. So once he understands that, because he feels it and experiences the best teacher ever. So when you experience how these movements can change your body that fast, well, now we have a reason to show up. So then we just show up every day for maybe two to five minutes, and we just start accumulating reps by showing up. We're just consistent. So we do the same thing we did as a child. Child shows up every day. It has nothing else to do. So it shows up day in, day out, and it's moving and living through those movements. So as an adult, if we just show up every day and be patient, just like we did as a child, day in, day out, we're going to start accumulating those repetitions in our nervous system. And our nervous system is going to say, you know what? I really do remember how to do this. And I don't even, you don't have to think about it anymore. I got it. You're going to move well. I feel safe. I feel good. You're giving me good information. I'm going to let you move, Johnny. And then Johnny's moving happy as, as, as he wants to be, just, just like he did when he was a child. That's fascinating. And... I mean, is this, is this like five, 10 minutes a day? Are we talking kind of crocodile breathing? Are we talking, I, I know I, I've seen, um, you know, you've done breathing in kind of the, the rocking pattern. Like, I mean, how, how uh, 
you know, for, like, how, how, how do you go about doing this? It could be crocodile breathing. So at OS, um, when, we, mm. when we teach workshops, we, we show all these different positions, and then we have right. you test which one your body really likes. Oh, wow. So once you know what your body really likes, great, let's go with that. And because that one can, can start to fill in the gaps of all those other positions without you even trying to worry about those other positions. Because we just want to get the reps in where we're successful, right. where the body says, ah, oh, yeah, I, I, this, I'm gonna, this feels great. I'm gonna, I remember how to do this. So it's not, and, and here's the trick is, is we're all individual. Um, we all have different backgrounds and histories and things that are in our bodies, right? So the position for you may be different from me that you know you're a big bang interesting position. okay and and that's fine because we just want to meet the person where they're at right um give them what their body needs and then so once we find that position and it's not hard to find <laughs> it's not hard to right. find at all um then they we just then it can just be five minutes a day getting in those reps um accumulating those reps and breathing in in, in that position and see what happens though is, is you become mindful of your breath eventually so instead of just practicing it five minutes in the morning when you're on your way to work, you find yourself practicing with your tongue in the roof of your mouth, breathing in and out your nose, down into your belly. When you're sitting at your desk, you catch yourself. You know, and right. so so as we build our practice, mindfulness also seeps in. So now you got two things that are accelerating the process. And then eventually one day you just notice that, well dang, I don't even have to think about this anymore. I, I, I breathe the way I'm supposed to and I'm always feel I, I feel good. My back doesn't, my back hadn't hurt in weeks. Holy cow. So it just, you know, or man, I can stand on one foot and put my shoes on again. That's crazy. All I've been doing is practicing breathing and moving my head a certain way. Like, you know, it's, it's huge, amazing. huge things start happening and it just, it just makes life better. Right. And so I, I just want to add something on for the people listening. I mean, so I've done the functional movement screen for years on different, you know, different people. And there's like that hurdle step where someone has to like lift up their leg and then go over like a hurdle. Mm -hmm. And some guys are like all over the place. And we do like I do crocodile breathing and all of a sudden it's like their bodies move perfectly. You're like, what the heck just happened? And so I, I guess what I'm saying is I think some of the people listening might be like, dude, like breathing. This sounds so out there. But like until you see it right until you see it. You don't believe, and I've seen it. I've seen how it just changed the game. And, anyways, what, what were you gonna say? So here's here's <laughs> here's why that works. So the diaphragm is a spinal stabilizer. So if you're using your diaphragm properly, that means you're stabilizing your spine. Well, if your body knows your spine's stable and it's not gonna get hurt, it's probably gonna let you move. But if you, the body is crazy smart, but if it knows you're not you're you're not stabilizing your spine because you're breathing up in your neck and your chest and you're, you're not using your diaphragm properly, your nervous system knows it. So now it's not going to let you move with grace and ease. And it's going to make you wobble around and stuff because it's unsure about what you're trying to do. And it's going to try to give you compensations so that you can achieve the task. So instead of being able to step over it without any hitch in your giddy up when everything's level, you're all over the place because now you've got compensations going on because you don't have a stable spine and your nervous system is just trying to help you out. That's an amazing answer. I never even, I, I, I hadn't heard that before. That's great. And so let's just say, okay, what, once someone is able to kind of reconnect with their breath and, and diaphragmically breathe, and, and I've certainly seen, you know, a lot of guys when I've done posture assessments, like you breathe straight into your chest, over, you know, versus kind of diaphragmically. And so I guess my question is, okay, once you 
uh, once you have the diaphragmic breathing down and you're kind of restored your breathing pattern, if you will, like then what? What's the next step? Well, there can be a next step or it could just be everything at once. So okay. we, we breathe with our diaphragm. Um, that's the first thing a child does when it comes into the world, right? And that's really important because it's also the last thing you're going to do when you leave. But the other thing, the next thing, like if we were looking at the developmental sequence, and there's no order to any of this stuff, but if you're just looking at the sequence, um, would be head control, activating the vestibular system. And for an adult, that may just be an easy way to think of it would be, hey, eyes and head on the horizon often, because that's how we're designed. We don't live that way. Interesting. <laughs> but, but that's how we're designed. And, and getting up and down from your chair often, instead of sitting eight hours a day, activate your vestibular system, tell your body you need it by moving, getting up, getting down, don't be, don't be static. Um, really easy ways to activate the vestibular system are to integrate the movements of the eyes and the head, just like a child does. So you wire your, your early, I mean, that's how we're wired, like, so where the, where the eyes and head go, the body follows. So you just start sharpening those, those reflexes you had as a child and you make them efficient through use. Um, and then the body just starts working the way it's supposed to. And so you're mentioning some of these exercises like the, you know, head nods, kind of rolling, rocking, crawling. And, and I imagine you've chosen those exercises because that's what essentially how babies um, develop their movement. Is that, is that right? Mm -hmm. is, yeah, that's, those are the movements that make a baby strong enough to get up on two feet and go, you know, play on a playground or do whatever babies want to do, right? It, it gives them the strength to feel their curiosity so they can get from here to there and just start discovering the world. Um, truth is, is as an adult, we should still have that same curiosity and want to go discover the world. We should still be moving the same way we did as a child. None of it. I mean, so our design, we're, we're clearly designed to move because movement's what builds the nervous system and keeps the brain healthy, which means we're not designed to sit still <laughs> because if movement keeps the brain healthy and builds the nervous system and ties the body together, that would clearly mean that not moving doesn't do any of those things. It actually does the reverse. So when when we create a demand on the, the body, the body meets the challenge. When there is no demand, there's nothing to meet. So it just lets everything go. So if we ask nothing of our body, it will give us what we ask for. It gives us nothing. So then all of a sudden, if we've sat for, say we've sat for 10 years behind a desk, and then one day our old high school buddy calls us up and we reminisce and think we want to get together for a flag football game, um, one weekend, why would we think we would perform well since we haven't asked our body to do any of that stuff for years, but we're going to go do it anyway, cause that's how we are. And it's fun, but we're likely going to get an injury <laughs> because no nothing's tied together. Well, we don't have good posture. We don't breathe right. We, we can't generate power and explosiveness and we can't make turns anymore because we just haven't accessed those. We, we've never asked our body to, to do that. But if we live in our design, we're always asking our body, telling our body, we want to use it. And it knows, and it's going to let us use it. It's all, it's really about showing up. So what would you say to someone? And there's certainly a lot of people who believe this, which I think is a limiting belief, but it's, it's a belief. People are like, Hey, you know what? You get stiffer as you get older. What would you say? I would say you're absolutely right. Okay. If you believe that. <laughs> So, but, but, but then you could go, why, why do we get, so look at, you look at all the data, you can start looking at, well, we lose, uh, what, 8%, 10% muscle mass after age 30 every, there's some percentage that we lose every year. Well, what are we looking at? We're looking at the current population. 
Well, what's the current population doing? They're not using their body. So yes, those, those numbers are probably very accurate, but they're also looking at a sedentary body, a, a, a mass population of sedentary bodies that all are not supposed to be sedentary. They're just not using their bodies. But what if a man is in his 60s and he never stopped using his bodies? He's going to be able to perform like close to what he did in his 30s. He just is because he never stopped creating the demand. He never told his brain, hey, I don't want to use my body anymore. He always shows up. That's why you see some people that are so healthy and they look great when in their old age. But the secret is, is they've always been moving. They've not just decided to get still one day and you know, sit in a chair for eight to 13 hours a day. And we're, we're going to have to sit in chairs, but we don't have to stay in them. <laughs> right. Right. It creates that move. kind of like inflexible cycle. It's like an inflexibility yeah. cycle. It's like, okay, you, you, you're, you feel stiff or you sit down, then you feel stiff and then you don't want to move. And then it's just that, that kind of inflexibility cycle. Right. I mean, well, what if also you do believe that, well, once you get over 30, things start falling apart. If you believe that, you're going to set your mind on that and you're going to accept it. You're not going to do anything to, you're not going to do a lot to try to reverse it because you're, you're already thinking, well, that's just the way it is. And the crazy thing about the brain though is, is so the body's made to follow the head and that's true, very true in movement, but it's also true in mind. Everybody knows whatever you set your mind on, you can achieve, which also means whatever you set your mind on, you're going to end up having. <laughs> It works both ways. You can, <laughs> you can set your mind on positive things and go get it. You know, like whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. You've heard that before. Well, it, it works in the other way too. I mean, because if you're not thinking one thing or if you're thinking something, that means you're not thinking something else. And if you're not thinking something else, that means you're thinking something. So you're going in that direction all the time. Right. And by the way, how, how old are you, Tim? 45. I mean, guys... Uh, it's funny you talk about hey a guy in the 60s can move like a guy in his 30s i'm like you move like you're eight years old it's insane like people have got to see it to believe it it's unbelievable and like uh, let's continue what we're gonna say (laughs) i didn't always i move better now than i did in my 20s right and that is like that's undeniable i i i wish i could have moved this well when i was (laughs) right that's just i think it's just so cool and so Let's let's talk a little bit about kind of, you know, lifestyle tips, because, you know, we've talked a little bit about the exercise and I'm going to include some more resources for people in the article. Um, I mean, it's just by the way, I mean, the YouTube channel is amazing. But, um, you know, what is like, do you have any lifestyle tips to help guys like kind of improve their health, restore their health? Because obviously that's just such an important part of all of this. Um, one would be. In your brain, you just got to know that you're made to be strong. Your body's designed to be able and capable your whole life. You, you got to know that. And, and, and if you look at it from like just from a distance, if a person lives to say 80, why would it make any sense that the best years of their life are zero to 20? And then the worst years of their life where everything starts falling apart are the next 60 years. That doesn't make any sense. That's not even meeting in the middle at the halfway point. <laughs> so, right. so beyond that, beyond mindset or just knowing that you're designed to move um, would be move. Show up every day. And it doesn't have to be hard. It, it can just be checking in with yourself, make sure you, you're breathing well the way you're designed. It can be um, literally 10 minutes a day 
moving your head, rolling around on the floor, rocking back and forth and crawling on your hands and knees might be all you ever need to do to ensure that your body can move well. But you know what? The, the truth is, is 10 minutes is so ridiculously easy. You might, it's, it's okay if you do more, but if you keep, if that's all you did, you're going to be good. Okay. But if you made it intentional effort to move often throughout the day, again, whether it's every hour you get up from your desk and, you know, intentionally walk down the hall or go get a glass of water, go to the bathroom. You just, you're just deliberate on moving often. It all adds up. Um, I, I think you just got to show up and just know that your body's made to be strong. None of us are made to be weak. And if you know that you're, you're on a, you're on the right, the right path. Cool. And so just out of curiosity, what does your own kind of morning routine look like? So I get up in this season, I get up at 4 um, a.m. And I, uh, I read for about an hour. Um, and then at 5, I start rolling around on the fly. I do my 21s. And they take about, I don't know, about 20 to 30 minutes. You know, and I'm, it's mostly like, you know, rolling around on the floor, rocking back and forth. Um, and then I'll do, uh, a couple of times a week, I'll do Hindu squats, Hindu push-ups, and then I'll go downstairs and I'll grab a, uh, I do have kettlebells and I use them to carry out in the neighborhood. So I'll just pick up for 10 minutes on the clock. I'll just set a timer and I'll just carry a kettlebell back and forth across my cul-de-sac, holding it in different places because that's, that's great strength training. It's old man strength training. Right, you just use right. your body carrying stuff. Um, and then after that, I'll go for about a 30 minute walk in the neighborhood. The rest of the day, I, every hour or so I might do currently, <laughs> I might do a handstand against the wall for 30 seconds or a back bridge or squats, or I'll just lay down on the floor and get up 10 times, just practice and see where I can move. I just play. Cool. I'll just play. Cool. Nothing, nothing crazy. And, and so you know, in terms of like doing it throughout the day, being more mobile, is it like, you know, just when you need to, like, how, how would you recommend implementing that? Or, you know, how, how do you recommend like people like move more, right? Like I think as a society, like we're all getting more and more sedentary, so to speak, like how do we build that in? How do we move more? Lowest hanging fruit would be to be intentional on setting a schedule that you have a, at least one movement block in the day. And for most people, because once the day gets started, the day takes, they get carried away with the day. If you don't do it before your day, it just typically seems to be harder. Some people do thrive in the afternoon, but there are all these excuses can mount up in the afternoon not to not to move. Um, so lowest hanging fruit would just be intentional. Um, set your small schedule. Maybe you just move for 20, 30 minutes. Great. Great. More intentional. If you really really want to make sure that you stay young and able and, and mentally thriving, th you know, throughout your life. You just, if, if you're working in the COVID world and you're working from home, it's way easier. You can That's take those, you can take those movement breaks. You can deliberately not have water at your desk. And every time you get thirsty, you get up walk across the house, go to the kitchen, get it. And then, and then come back to your desk. Or you just take a 30 second rocking break where you just get on your hands and knees right back and forth or you do some windshield wipers and just loosen up your spine feels amazing even if you only got up and did a big stretch you know like a lion would when they get up from sleeping in the day your body will love it and you're telling your body something hey i want to keep you i want to use you 
let's let's I'm just going to stretch you a little bit and it, it's going to allow you to to continue to have function um so you, so every 30 minutes to an hour like it doesn't have to be hard um you can just and you can the easiest way is just set a stopwatch that goes off every hour and you get up for and do something for 3 minutes it, i mean we're not talking about taking a 15 minute you know siesta or anything it's just three minutes of movement and then go back to work. That's, that's uh, really powerful. And, and out of curiosity, um, what is, what is your eating like? <laughs> you don't want to know that one. Um, Uh-oh. So, <laughs> I've had a lot of, so COVID taught me a lot of things. There are just a lot of uncertainties in life. Um, and I'm very loose on my eating. Uh, when I say lucid, that I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying food. Um, matter of fact, I think the secret to that is just to be grateful for it. Uh, so I practice my goal. My my hope is that I approach a meal with gratitude um, and I trust that it's going to end up where it needs to go. So in the past, I would be, well, is it organic? Is it grass fed? Is it has it been treated well, which is important. Those things could be important. But you know what? At the end of the day, sometimes you just can't help how your food is treated. And sometimes you just you have what you have. So I try to be grateful for it and enjoy it. I, I have taste buds. I think I have them for a reason. So I like things that taste good. Um, I, I'll be honest right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm on a big cereal kick. I love, <laughs> I okay. love eating cereal. Um, but it brings me joy. And it, I cannot see, I haven't experienced anything negative from it. So. Nice. Well, I mean, you're in impressive shape. And could you, is it cool? Could you kind of share maybe like a breakfast, lunch, dinner? Do you eat snacks? Just kind of curious. Uh, breakfast is, I'll eat a banana with peanut butter. Um, those two things go so, for me, mm -hmm. I just love taking, just spooning peanut butter on a banana. Um, and then I might make pancakes or eat a bowl of cereal. Okay. Uh, and then for for. If I eat around nine or ten, I probably won't eat again until dinner. Um, and then for dinner, you know, a salad, uh, uh, meat or eggs, um, nothing crazy. Uh, on the weekends, I may have pizza. Uh, I love, uh, I like sushi. Um, so my evening meals would be very healthy esque looking, but my my breakfast is right. Well, he's just eating banana peanut butter and cereal or something. <laughs> All right. Hey, I, I mean, I think it's great that you have that balance and it's like, you know, you're also incredibly in tune with your body, right? Like I can imagine someone else, if they have pizza, they might have, like it, it might not have the same effect on their body as it does you, I imagine. Well, so, and now here's where we get crazy. So the mindset right. thing. Right. You know, like if I go into a meal thinking that's going to be bad for me, I shouldn't eat that. And I'm already guilty before I eat it. I'm better off not eating it because I've what I've done is I've taken my nervous system and put it in fight or flight mode. Well, it's not going to it's not going to be able to digest whatever I'm eating anyway, because now I've already laced it. I've wrapped it in negativity. I've made my nervous system feel unsafe about it because it's all information. So my thoughts are information. Right. But if I approach a meal thinking, man, I'm grateful for this. This is going to be good. I'm really going to enjoy this. And it's not going to hurt me. It's going to help me. So if I go into it with that mindset, now I've wrapped it in positivity and the nervous system knows. So now, but if I'm in parasympathetic mode, I can rest, I can digest. 
well, I can get rid of inflammation that bad food might cause if it's not bad to me. So sometimes, and this is crazy, I know, but sometimes we set ourselves up for the expectation and the outcome based upon how we go into it. And our beliefs, our beliefs are strong and our body responds because the body follows the head. And I'm not saying, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but you could test it. You can test it out and see how your body does with it. And then you, you know for yourself. Because, again, it's the experience that teaches us. Um, so, but if I'm not afraid or I don't have guilt or shame or if I'm not already beating myself up or beat myself up afterwards. So, say you eat a meal and then you feel extremely guilty. What are you doing to your nervous system? What are you doing to your digestive system? Your vagus nerve is like, oh, gosh, what? Oh, well, fight or flight. Let's fight. Let's fight. Let's fight. Can't. You can't get any of the nutrition out of it. But if you ate a cookie with joy and gratitude and there was no concern in your nervous system whatsoever, could could that cookie be used for something beneficial? Possibly. That's uh, really powerful stuff, Tim. And so, you know, we're getting up on, on the 45 minutes here. And again, I mean, this is, this is really powerful stuff. And I'm, I'm so excited to share this with... Um, with guys out there and, you know, ladies who are listening as well to, to help, uh, shift, I think um, the mindset that a lot of kind of guys have with kind of fitness and exercise. It's like, dude, you got to push yourself. You got to push yourself. Whereas this is a whole different angle and perspective. And clearly, you know, what you're doing is working. <laughs> right. And so, um, with, with all that said, like how, how can people follow you and learn more about you? So um, I, have, I do have the YouTube page uh, okay. where it's tons of free videos on just on how to move um, and not necessarily how to move, but fun ways to move that may be very beneficial for your body. Um, we have an, a website called originalstrength.net and that's where we have articles and, and videos also. Um, and if you're and we also offer education courses and content. Um, easiest place, like if you really want to know more about how pressing reset works if you go to amazon um i've got several books but the the pressing reset original uh original strength pressing reset reloaded or the the pressing reset book okay Um, okay yeah you've got a bunch of books by the way i have seen the amazon page i get so so confused that's all good (laughs) um but but that one uh will definitely fill in all the gaps on why these childlike movements how they can help your body, even if you're 80. Um, that and to me, that's where the power comes in is the movement. All my crazy thoughts about nutrition or whatever—you don't have to worry about those. But if you just <laughs> want to know how your body's designed to move, um, the books are a great place to start. Awesome. Well, well, Tim, man, I really, really appreciate um, you sharing all this information. I'm excited, and I think I'm—it's uh, going to help a lot of people out. So. Uh, uh, with that said, man, enjoy the rest of the day. I really appreciate it. Mark, thank you for having me. This this has really been a lot of fun. <laughs>